today, what I want to say to you is that you can be fruitful in a purpose, in the purpose that God has for you in the kingdom. Purpose is hard. When pastors talk about purpose, often people uh, kind of say, you know what, I can't tell you what that is. I'm not sure. I'm just doing my job. But purpose might be hard to receive sometimes, but it shouldn't be complicated. In the sense, there, should be, uh, there shouldn't be so many streams to it. I'm going to talk tonight a little bit about uh, how God speaks to us and talk to you how dreams can be clear. When we talk about purpose, it can seem a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. It can seem often that we're not sure where all the pieces fit. We're doing what we do and we're, we hope we're okay, but actually... We, we want to find out what fits next. One of the important insights about purpose, however, is that it's not actually your purpose that's the central thing. The central thing is that actually God has a purpose in the world and you're fitting in with him. That actually you have to find out what God's doing and join in with him. Do you remember there's an apostle in the New Testament called Peter? And he had a vision one day. He was up on the roof praying. God was already speaking to the man that he's supposed to go and see. Cornelius. God is already speaking to him. And actually what Peter did is kind of join in with what God was already doing. In your heart right now, say, God, I just want to join in with what you're doing. How many of you read this scripture? You, you know this. You know this scripture. You've got it on your fridge or you've memorized it. Matthew 6, verse 33, one of the nearly the climax to the Sermon on the Mount says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. In fact, if you seek first his kingdom, the rest is details. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Many, many times we've, we've been uh, uh, praying, Oh, what's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for my life? And God is saying, Why don't you ask what my will is for the world and join in with that? You see, if you put it that way around, it takes the pressure off you. And rather than you thinking everything depends on you, in a sense, you jump into the stream that he is flowing towards. That actually, you just have to discover your part in his larger purpose. It's actually God's purpose and his kingdom that we are working towards and working out. So begin to take the pressure off yourself saying, I need to find out what it is for me. Why don't you begin to say, God, I just want to join in where you want me to join in. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says it this way. He saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and will. When he chose you and saved you, is because he said, Ah, oh, you know what? I can really use you in my purposes. Is it you're part of what he's doing? He isn't fitted in 
to what you're doing. What you're doing is important and he values you, but we don't want to try and cram God in to where we're going. Well, I have some scriptures that I call mega truth. And here's one of my mega scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says this, In him we were chosen, having been predestinated or handpicked according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Every sentence in that verse is dripping with meaning. But one of the big truths of it is that God has his purposes and we have to walk in them. And instead of having the pressure of saying, how can I sort my life out? Why don't we begin to pray like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will. Let me enfold into what you're doing. That way, this way around encourages us, it energizes us because who can stand against God's purposes? Who, who can come against what he's doing in, in the world? It's not all about my life and my purpose and my uh, direction. It starts becoming about, well, God, what are you doing? And my whole fruitfulness comes from where God is leading me. I love the book of Isaiah, although it's a hard read in one go, isn't it? Is that only me that, you know, I know that I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to be so holy, but have you read Isaiah? Sometimes it's heavy, isn't it? Don't you believe? Don't you agree? There's one honest lady in the second row nodding here. The rest of you are going, no, no, Isaiah, I just love it. I could eat it for breakfast. But Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 says it this way, and it's God speaking. And he says, I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times what is still to come. And I say, my purpose will stand, says the Lord, and I will do that which I please. Now, I know you say that sometimes, but when God says it, he can do it. And then he says, from the east I summon a bird of prey, and from the far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, I will bring about, I will do what I have planned to do. You know that means your life? That God's got a plan for your life, and he will use all of his wisdom and strength to bring about the plan that he's got for you. So relax. God's got it. When my girls were little, you know, and they'd jump off a wall, they'd say, have you got me, Daddy? I said, oh, I've got you. And then when they grew a bit further, they'd say, oh, I think I've got you. But when God's got you, he's got you. You see, to be clear about your, your purpose in the kingdom is to have the service and the influence that God has gifted you to perform. It's the service and the influence that God has gifted you to perform, and that will bring about eternal value. You know, God has gifted you, he's given you influence, and he's going to enable you to bring that out in this world for his eternal purposes. Now, his kingdom purpose will be about you bringing something into order. It will, it will be about you bringing something uh, under God's governorship, 
Remember that if you go back to Genesis, it says that we were to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion or rule in the earth. So when you have a purpose in God, you will bring something into order that God says, well, that's not in my uh, walking in my order. It will also mean that you spread his message, that, that actually he'll bring through you a message to the world. So his kingdom purpose is basically you bring something into order and you spread his message. But it will be something that God has gifted you to do. I was talking to somebody this week and they were working in the NHS and uh, they've designed a way of attacking a disease. And that's a Christian that's done that. I know that not every Christian does that or that we, we know that some people who are not in the church or in Jesus do some wonderful things. But I was just thinking that was them walking in their purpose, bringing something into order that was in chaos before. You know, God wants to use you to do that. God wants you to influence lives in a way that brings them into the right place. But your life will not drift into your fruitful purpose. If you don't kind of interact with it and you don't kind of put some time in, it won't just happen. The book of Proverbs puts it like this in Proverbs 28, 19. It says, those who will work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. I wonder today whether you've got a dream and it's a fantasy, or whether you're willing to invest and train and say, God, I want to walk in your will so that I can be in your purpose. Now, there's a, there's a Hebrew word. I don't really know how to pronounce it. It's called chazon. C-H-O-W-Z-N. Chazon. And it means vision. It means revelation. It means God's download into your life. And everybody in the house, or those of you who've been around the, the church a while, would have known the verse uh, in Proverbs 28, 19. Without the vision, people perish. Well, actually, it's, it's that word, chazon. It means if you don't have this sense of, God, you're leading me in a purpose, actually, by just doing nothing, your life erodes. It, it starts to crumble at the edges. So having a purpose is really important. The NIV puts it this way, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. There's no boundaries to the life. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and instruction. You know, there's a couple of important insights about having a purpose that I really want you to pick up. And, and it's kind of set the course of the rest of the message today. And I'm going to have to get you to do a little bit of work with me. But the important insights of this, look, it's from Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one, but one who has insight draws them out. Here's the first insight about purpose. Your purpose has got many layers inside of you, and you need to draw it out. And it may take help. You may need help doing that. But it's often not something that's at the surface. You need to draw it out. 
Because actually your purpose is so precious that God has to protect it so that you don't walk in it too soon and mess it up. How many of you ever heard the phrase, if God told you what you were going to do, you'd say, no way, Lord. The second insight about purpose is, is that this idea that it emerges over time and it's like a jigsaw, but, but secondly, it develops and one thing leads to another. Now, now we know that we, I've often said to my girls when they were teenagers, be careful girls because one thing leads to another. Don't mean it in a bad way. But in a good way, one thing leads to another. If you're faithful at this thing, God will then open the door to the next thing. So two insights. Often our purpose needs drawing out. And you may need help with that. You may need to walk with some friends. It's certainly a prayer journey. It's certainly a a journey where you walk with the word of God and you say, I am going to walk with the spirit and the word to draw this out. Remember, Psalm 119, verse 105 says, your word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. The word of God, your, your connection to the word of God will draw out that purpose. But the the second insight is that it it kind of happens in slices. Your purpose is like a jigsaw a little bit that fits together. The pieces come together to create the whole picture. It's like pizza, you have it slice by slice. Or at least I hope you do and don't eat the whole thing at once. But if you don't process, and if you say to yourself, "I, I, I really need to kind of, put some investment in. And I don't want to just wait and it to be revealed in a dream or a vision. And that may happen. Then we're going to have to do some work. Now, I'm going to give you some homework today. But here's the thing I want to say to you. If you do this, I guarantee you something will happen and change in your life. Now, how many of you have been uh, uh, at school? I'm not sure that a school teacher, Emmanuel, help me out here. I'm sure that, you know, you've never said to your students, you know, I guarantee this will change your life if you do your chemistry homework. Although maybe, (laughs) maybe it will, Emmanuel, I don't know, you know. Hey, Emmanuel, I don't know whether you've ever heard an excuse for, uh, I'm sorry to pick you out, but, you know, uh, there may be another school teacher. I don't know what excuses you've heard about homework. You know, the dog ate it, the cat ran away with it. The other day, I was going up to our office, and uh, I walked past the bus stop, and there on the bus stop bench, there was uh, uh, somebody's homework. Got their name on it, their book, their folder, the name of the school, the address, and I thought, wow, they've left their homework. I couldn't resist. I did look inside, and I know now why they'd left it at the bus stop. <laughs> I don't know much about music, but I do know that they'd not got it quite right. And I just wonder what they said when they went to school. You know, oh, I've left it on the bus, sir, or what have you. So I decided to be a good citizen, and I gathered up this homework, and I, you know, looked up their school on the website, and I called the school, and I said, hey, such and such a body, they're in your, okay, whatever it was, and, uh, you know, I'll bring it by on my way home from work. And they said, ah, thank you very much. Well, as it happened, 
as I got to the school, all the kids are coming out. The teacher whom the homework was for was serving uh, on the gates. You know, teachers do a great job, don't they? Should we just honour our teachers? Uh, you know, they do a great job. And uh, I don't know what uh, Emmanuel. I don't know what the worst excuse you've had, but uh, you know, could you imagine that this person's given all the excuse, and then the God answers by saying, "Well, the local vicar found it and brought it back." You know, you can't get out of giving out your homework. I wonder today if you've ever been to church and got homework. Could I give you homework today? Oh, that's, wow, the enthusiasm. Those at the back or in the balcony, can I give you homework today? Is that all right? And I guarantee you, if you work through this purpose grid, something will change in your life. Now, that's a big claim, but let me just kind of, if you pick that up, if you've not got one, uh, some of the stewards will bring one to you. But on the screen, if you you follow it with me, it's got four columns on the left, uh, and I'm sorry if this message becomes a seminar, okay? But, and we'll try and not make it so. But on the left, it says my season, you work through my season first, then my inner self, that's where we're going to mainly do today, then my habits, and then my world and impact. If you systematically work through those four columns and carefully ask the questions, then uh, and in prayer and talk to your friends and talk to your discipleship group and, and, talk and work it through, then I guarantee you that God will lead you through something. Now, that is a big claim, isn't it? First of all, the very first thing you should do if you want to find your purpose is call your season. Are you in the early season of life? Now, no cheating now. Are you in the early season of life? The only two questions you need to ask in your early season of life is this. Who will you love and what will you do? But with this proviso underneath, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you will ask that, then it will save you from loving the wrong person and doing the wrong thing. But in your first season of life, the major questions are, who will I love? What will I do? How will I keep myself? Well, I love the right people. And I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about healthy relationships as a foundation. In your middle season, now, Some of you, people hate to admit that they're middle-aged, but it's okay. Middle's okay. The only question you should ask is, am I chasing success or am I going for significance? It's not saying you won't be successful or do some things or earn some things. And maybe it's a question for all of us. Jesus, do you you remember that Jesus often dismissed the crowds and went and prayed on his own because he wasn't chasing the success of ministry. He was more interested in following God's will and being significant. And there becomes a shift in your middle years where you stop seeking the ladder of success and you start saying to yourself, 
I just want to do your will, God. I just want to make an impact for you. And significance for you might be, you know what, I'm going to invest in my family for this season. And that's the best significance that I can do. You begin to stop listening to what everybody else defines as what you should have and start hearing the voice of God to what he wants you to have. In, in later years, I'm in the later years. I'm okay with it, okay? I know some of you think, oh, no, I don't want to be in that season. But come on, call it with me, you older people. You've only got two questions. What should I have? I've got an applause there. Yeah, it was a very old, weak applause, but nevertheless, it was there. We're still there. Some of the young folks on the front row just folding their arms and going, oh, Lord. <laughs> Old people are so annoying. <laughs> the only question you, two questions that you should ask in your later season is, what do I need to hold on to? What do I need to let go of? I want to tell you about, there's a man in one of my churches one time. He's a beautiful man. In fact, he met his wife. His first wife died his his wife who he eventually uh, met, her first husband died, and they met cleaning the church. Volunteer. You never know where it might go. (laughs) I'm going to get Janice up later on. You never know what can happen. He put himself on the cleaning rotor. She put himself on the cleaning rotor. She was polishing, and he was taking a shine to her. So they met, that's, uh, that's how they met. Isn't that right, Kathy? They met on the cleaning rotor. But one of the things that was with him is that he had, well, one of the things that he needed to let go of was his driving license. He became old, and uh, he just would not give up his driving license. I sat down with him as his pastor and said, so-and-so, you know, can you... Please stop driving. No, 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 no. I need to drive for the Lord. I'm thinking, you're a danger to the whole world. You know, he became, I think he was 75, 80, and he was just like he couldn't really see. He would not let go of his driving license, and it was actually becoming a bad witness. In your older season, you've got to learn what you've got to let go of. And, and you know what? It's... it's it's not that what you had a hold of wasn't right, wasn't precious. It goes for ministries, it goes for some things. You've got to know what to let go of. The second thing that he should have let go of, he had a prophecy over his life, and it was probably about 40 years earlier. And how many of you know, except in the Bible, prophecies have a shelf life? If you don't act on them, they're not active for the rest of your life. He'd had a prophecy that he was going to have a healing ministry. And that never came about. And it hindered his spiritual richness and fulfillment and enjoyment for the rest of his life because he held on to that prophecy when he should have said, you know what, Lord, I don't know what that was about. I'll let it go to you. 
I, I wonder in the house today whether somebody's spoken something over your life and you're so desperate. Yes, I am going to be a worship leader that leads worship at Wembley Stadium one day. That was prophesied over me. And you're holding on to it, holding on to it, and it's actually blocking you for receiving what God's got for you now. You need, when, you, when you're a bit older, you need to know, hey, let it go. You know, for the first 16 years of my Christian life, I tried to play the guitar because I thought that's what pastors do. I did. 16 years, and I can play three chords and two choruses, and that's it. And in the end, God said to me, I called you to preach. It took me 16 years to release this kind of, I want to be able to play. (laughs) What are you holding on to? Call your season. Second column, and this is where we'll probably land today. I'll do this. There are only three questions that you need to ask about your inner self. The first question you need to ask is, what's my experiences? What, what's the theme of my life so far? Romans 8 verse 28 says, We know that in all things God works to the good of those who love him, who've been called according to whose purpose is it? His purpose. Come on, say it with me. Whose purpose is it? His purpose. If you've been called to his purpose, you will see a godly theme now. The enemy will remind you of bad things that have happened to you over and over again. That's not what we're talking about. Let's push him aside in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you, Satan, now from every mind. And we want you to focus on what have been some of the themes that have blessed you or you have naturally done throughout your whole life. You know, my father died when I was eight years old. And I lived on a, uh, well, we call it a council estate, don't we? And, and there were, you know, there were the typical problems on the council estate, and I could have got into lots of trouble. I'll tell you another story later on, or I don't know whether I've told it you. Sometimes, you know, when you preach to the same people every week, you don't know what you've said. But anyway, um, I, you know, there was a drug dealer whose nickname was Jesus, and he came down. Have I told you that one? Uh, it was a nickname, it was nicknamed Jesus, and I'm the only person here that has prayed to the Lord, oh, please, Lord, don't let Jesus find me, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm the only person who's done that. But anyway, I, when I could have got into lots of trouble. I want to say to you that the, uh, the Boy Scouts or the Scouts saved my life. Those volunteers and those people, they took me away camping, got me out of the estate and saved my life. I remember that in our scouts, we were going to start a new scout patrol. And they said, who who wants to lead? I remember being in a line. I absolutely remember this. And I'm standing there going, pick me, 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 pick me. Until I, I almost, it was busting out of me. And that sense of wanting to lead and serve in leadership. And it became, when I went to college, I became the president of the Christian Union. And when I went to seminary, I became the, the leader of the student union body. And every, it started to say that God started to use me to serve in leadership. There'll be some themes in your life where you say, everywhere I go, this happens. Everywhere I go, I connect with vulnerable people. Everywhere I go, 
that this begins to happen to me. You need to look back at some of your experience and say, God, what is one of the godly themes? And the second question in your inner self that you need to ask is, what are your deepest core beliefs? You know, you know uh, David is standing. David gets to take cheese to the battle. Okay, that's his job. He's a cheese carrier. God asks us sometimes to do cheese and one thing leads to another. That's how purpose works. You've got to be faithful with the cheese. I'm speaking to somebody today because you feel your life's full of cheese. You've got to be faithful with the cheese and God will lead you to be the warrior that's inside of you. That's a word to somebody today. Be faithful with your cheese. Anyway, David's carrying the cheese and he hears Goliath defy the armies of God and something inside of him says, that should not happen. Come on, come closer to me. In your spirit, what is it in your life that you say, that must happen, that cannot happen? What makes you mad? What makes you sad? What makes you glad? What are those beliefs inside of you that God has put into you? Now, it's not that they can't be refined and you say, well, God's told me this. Nobody can tell me different. No, not that. But those core beliefs where you say children should be protected at all costs. I will not have it that they're not. And that's an issue to you. And you can't understand why everybody else, that's not an issue to them. What's in you? You need to begin to ask those core beliefs. The third question that you need to ask is, what are your gifts? The things that you can just do and you say, why can't everybody else do this? Lots of people say to me, oh, Pastor Mark, I couldn't speak like you, like you speak. The worst thing in the world would be to get on a platform and to speak. There are some people like that. And I, you know, I, I can identify because there are some things that I just could not do. Wow, have you seen those people who go up in those cranes and build buildings? I would get past the first 20 feet and say, oh, sorry, I'm going down. <laughs> there are some things you can do that it's just your gift. What are your gifts? Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, we all have different gifts. Isn't that great? You know, you think I'm just wearing this shirt. Well, this shirt's actually an illustration. You've got different gifts, and we're all different. That's why I'm wearing a psychedelic shirt, to say you are different than the person next to you. You've got different gifts. Stop looking at someone else and saying, oh, I wish I had their gift. I wish I could sing like those guys, or I wish I could do that. We don't need you to sing. We need you to do what you can do. We've got different gifts. Amen. We have got different gifts, and it says this, according to the grace that you've been given. How many of you have been given grace? You've got grace. 
So you have a gift. Oh, it's almost a turn to you. I'm going re- to resist, Kathy. You have a gift. The person next to you may not recognize your gift. It doesn't matter. You've been given grace. You've got a gift. And you're, if your gift is prophesying, do it according to this faith. Hey, let me paint you a scenario. Who are you in this scenario? You're sitting around a table and you bring out dessert. You're sitting around with your friends and the, uh, the dessert is cherry pie. How many are hungry yet? Cherry pie is the best dessert in the world. I know some of you are chocolate freaks, but cherry pie's got it, okay? You bring out cherry pie, and as you, as you bring it out, someone spills a massive piece of cherry pie all over themselves, ruining her dress. It goes everywhere. Who are you in this scenario? In fact, you might want, if you sit next to your husband or your friend, nudge them when I read these out and say, that's you, that's you. Or you can say, that's me. Friend one takes charge, giving orders of how to clean up and minimize the damage. That's you, okay? That's the gift of administration, isn't it? Friend two says, Never mind, I'll buy you another pie. In fact, I'm going to buy a slice of pie for everybody in the room. That's the gift of giving, isn't it? Friend three says, you know, I just felt that something was going to happen. This means something. I knew this was going to happen. You know, have you met those people? That's the gift of prophecy, isn't it? Don't turn around and say, that's you. (laughs) Friend four, tearfully, friend four is praying and upset, not because of the ruined dress, but they just feel for you. That's mercy. Friend five tells you stories how they've dropped pie and tells you stories and gets everybody laughing. That's a gift of encouragement, isn't it? Do you know an encourager? Why don't you encourage an encourager and say, you know, that's you. You would do that. Friend six waits for a bit, takes his time, and gets everybody's attention and then says this. You know, there's a better way to eat pie And I've researched it, and here are four principles of successful pie eating. Unfortunately, that's me, the annoying teacher. Some of you are good teachers. Friend seven actually cleans up the pie without being asked and straightens the table, and that's the servant. I wonder what your gift is. Some of you are having a right conversation between yourselves now. I wonder what your gift is. Because in in the second column, you, you only need to ask three questions. What is my gift? What are my experiences? What makes me sad, mad, and glad? I want to say to you that the third column is really the habits that really matter. You can destroy your purpose by not being a good steward in these five habits. Your relationship to God, 
that you don't keep that close, your relationship to others, that that's not healthy and you're not domineering or, or not being over-controlled or whatever that is, your, your relationship to your finances. And we're going to talk about stewardship next month and, and speak into that life management and your relationship to your physical and emotional health. Have you got good boundaries? Do you get good sleep? Do you get good rest? Do you get good exercise? Do you do the things that you know you should do? Do you, uh, you know, we all hate the diet word, but we wouldn't have to do it if we just managed ourselves a little bit better. And what about your relationship to your work? Your work may not be paid. It may be what you do mainly throughout the day. But those five habits can absolutely spoil your purpose if you don't manage them properly. And I'm just going to breeze over that because as I come into land today, I want to say this to you. Receive grace. Because talking about purpose can be quite, uh, uh, quite uh, a heavy thing to say. The last column, and it's on your paper there, and if you're watching online, we'll email all of this to you. But the last column is uh, what your world now and your impact now. Because often we talk about purpose, but you've got to put some wheels on your purpose now. And so the first thing is you've got to think, uh, who are my people now? Who are the people right now who I need to influence? Are there people at work, people at home, people at my church, people, my friends? Who are my people now? Who are my people? Okay, ask that question. So who are you supposed to be serving now? Ask a question, that where are your, what's your passion? Right now, what do you care about? Not in the future. God will draw out future things. It will uncover. God will put you in scenarios like he did with David where that will be uncover. But right now, what are your passions? What do you need to give attention to right now? Also, what are your projects? What has God put before you? What's God placed in your hand now? What is your impact now? And what is your places? Where do you spend most of your time? Where do you need to focus your time and your work right now? And as you work through those, you'll get to this bottom square where you'll be able to write something about your life. If you do it slowly, if you do it carefully. Now, I know that you've never been given homework in church before, but... Homework. We want it in at nine o'clock in period two. I'm only kidding. But if you will do this carefully, prayerfully, friendly, if you will do that. And some of you are a little bit old and you're in a routine. Did I just say some of you are a little bit old? Okay. Some of you are a little bit more mature. And some of you, you're instant attention will be or your instant reaction will be as oh I've heard this loads before I'm just going to fold it up and put it in my bible and then in five years time you'll go oh I remember that (laughs) but if you work through this grid I guarantee you you won't have all the answers but I guarantee you something will happen that's a bold claim isn't it that's a bold claim In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you, as many of you as possible, we're going to clear out the front rows and want you to come and kneel. That's why we put the carpet down today and begin to just say, God, that that is, 
I just want to make sure that I'm following you. Your purpose must come to a kingdom orientation. Remember what I said to you about Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Bring some things into order. Order. 